Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, friends, good evening. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Well, we have a lot of things going on. This is Praying for America, and uh, we'll be commenting on those things uh, at length in the coming days. Uh, This uh, program tonight, though, I want to spend more time in prayer with you, and I want to focus it in specific uh, ways on asking God's forgiveness for the mistakes that our nation has made, particularly uh, the damage our current leaders are doing and have been doing to our country, and asking God's forgiveness for the ways in which some of the voters have perpetuated those problems. I'll go more into that. We're going to do a few extra scriptures tonight, more than we usually do. I want to invite you to leave your uh, your comments and uh, also your prayer intentions, if you would, because when we pray for America, we're also praying for one another, and we want to lift up one another's uh, needs uh, to the Lord as we pray together. So, We've been through this midterm election. It has taken a lot longer than it should have taken uh, for the votes to be counted. Uh, A lot of people are upset with a lot of results. We had an awful lot of good results, and I've been telling you the positive things. Uh, We've got to uh, never lose focus about those positive things. But brothers and sisters, again, tonight I want to focus on the wrong choices that many people have made. Some of them out of ignorance, some of them out of malice. And I'm talking both about the people who are elected and the people who elect them. And we just want to turn to the Lord and say what has been said throughout salvation history uh, when the people have gone astray. Lord, have mercy. Now, sometimes people go astray and then they realize they've gone astray and they turn back to the Lord and say, Lord, have mercy. Other times people go astray. They don't realize they're going astray. Other people see it and they say, Lord, have mercy. They're asking for forgiveness, not for a sin that they committed, but they're asking the Lord to intervene with his mercy and stop further harm from happening, not only to the country, but to those who are doing the damage, they're harming themselves. And that's another aspect to keep in mind here. We can see people, some of them in elected office, doing harm to the country, right? For example, letting people come over the border who are doing damage because of the fentanyl that they're bringing in or because of the criminal activity, gang activity uh, that they're bringing in or because of the disease that they're bringing in, unfiltered, unvetted, because maybe of the terrorist plottings that they are bringing in. People are being caught coming over the border who are on the terrorist watch list. I mean, we don't know the dangers that we're putting ourselves in. There are people responsible for these things. So whether it's that, or just destroying our energy independence? Or how about destroying the unborn and the direct attacks on life that come from that? Look, either the people who are doing this realize the damage that they're doing, or they don't. Either the voters that are encouraging this to continue, not just encouraging, but making it possible for it to continue, either they know what they're doing or they don't. Either way, we've got to pray for repentance and forgiveness. So that's the uh, 
And a number of scriptures I want to share with you and some reflections in between um, and some commentary as well. Then at the end, I also want to talk about the Georgia runoff because these elections aren't finished yet. The good, the bad that has happened, we've reflected on it, but these elections aren't finished yet because we have an important runoff race in Georgia and we need all of you to be involved in that. Let's go to the book of Genesis and we read in the 18th chapter a passage that, of course, you have heard many times. The Lord said, um, well, Abraham went to the Lord and he says in verse 23, he approached him and said, Lord, will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you, will not the judge of all the earth do right? And the Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is five less than fifty? Will you destroy the whole city because of the five? If I find forty-five there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again he spoke to him, What if there are only forty found there? He said, For the sake of the forty, I will not do it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only 30 can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Abraham said, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only 20 can be found there? He said, For the sake of 20, I will not destroy it. And then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only 10? can be found there. He answered, for the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. See what's happening here. First of all, the Lord is not minimizing the evil that's being done in the city of Sodom. He's not backing away. He's not giving permission He's not saying the sin is okay. He's not saying, oh, I understand. It's all right. It's all right. He's intending to punish the city. But because there are righteous people there, he doesn't want to inflict the punishment on them. And there's an intercessor here. I mean, who is Abraham? I mean, like he said, I'm nothing but dust and ashes. We can all say the same thing. Lord, you don't have to listen to me. You didn't even have to make me. But being I am here and being I see what's going on, may I ask you, Lord, to spare your people. That's the kind of prayer we want to do here tonight. May I ask you, Lord, to spare your people. Because even if the righteous are in a small minority, even if an overwhelming majority of the people are doing evil and truly deserving that punishment, notice this is not calling evil good, and this is not 
saying that sin doesn't deserve punishment. This is saying, if there's a small remnant of the righteous, can we intercede for the whole nation? And of course, God speaks his favor here. We see Moses doing the same thing. Remember when uh, when the Lord was so angry with the people, when Moses, he was up on the mountain getting the commandments and the people were breaking them down at the bottom of the mountain under the failed leadership of Aaron, who Moses' brother, who, by the way, made the lamest excuse in human history. Remember when, again, Moses was up on the mountain communing with God and meanwhile the people were making the the golden calf, and saying, oh, Israel, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. How is he your God if you just made him? And the people sinned gravely against the Lord. Aaron was supposed to be in charge of them while Moses was away, and and he failed utterly and, in fact, helped them to uh, break break these commandments. So Moses comes down, and he's mad at Aaron. Aaron. He's so mad, he smashes the tablets on the ground. But then he says to his brother, well, how did you let this happen? The lamest excuse in human history, Aaron says, well, they took the gold off the rings and threw it in this furnace, and this calf came out. We have leaders today making the same kind of lame excuses, don't we? They don't want to take responsibility. They don't want to take these Democrat leaders that we have right now, this clown that we have in the White House, doesn't want to take responsibility for anything. Oh, not my fault. It's Russia's fault. No, it's not my fault. Everybody, Trump's fault. Everybody's fault except his own. This is childish behavior. It's immature, it's irresponsible, it's wrong. And it shows that this is a person that shouldn't be in leadership. Nobody should be in leadership. They can't take responsibility for their own actions. They make excuses just like Aaron. Oh, we put the gold in the furnace and this calf came out. Oh yeah, all by itself, the calf came out. You know... The American people are not stupid. And that's why so many people are just filled with not just disappointment, but with rage that we have had 75% of the American public saying that the country is going in the wrong direction. And then as we're beginning to analyze the polling numbers coming out of these midterms, we find that one third of those people who say the country's going in the wrong direction voted for the people who are leading the country in that same wrong direction. What did they what are they what are they thinking? How can this happen? So we ask here tonight in the spirit of Abraham, Lord, for the sake of those who do know what's going on, for the sake of those who are paying some attention, for the sake of those who love this country so much that they are they're taking the time and the trouble to learn what's happening, vote the right way, urge their fellow citizens to vote. So many of you have worked so hard for this election. We're doing things the right way. Lord, for the sake of the 50. 
of the 30, of the 10? Will you spare the city? Will you spare the nation? Now, we have a lot more than 10, and we have a lot more than 50. As a matter of fact, there are more of us than there are of them. And that's where this passage is not a perfect analogy, because we're actually the majority. We're actually the majority. Actually, there were at least 5 million people more who voted for Republicans in this last uh, midterm election last week than voted for Democrats. That's an encouraging sign right there. Now, as you know, this is not a popular vote election. Um, our system is set up a little bit in a little bit more uh, complicated way than that. But it matters to understand that. And again, this is uh, coming off polling of these of this uh, this current voting population in these midterms. When you ask them how they identify, about twenty six percent identified as liberal progressive, but 39% identified as conservative. So there are more of us than there are of them. And isn't that your common experience? I mean, how many people do you, you know, actually run into every day that want just to let everybody come over the border and, you know, come into their community and do God knows what it is they want to do? How many people? I mean, where are the people that you, that you run into who think in these crazy ways? Oh, there's more of us than there are of them. But there's sin in the land. And, and sometimes people don't want to, before I go to the next scripture, which will be a prayer, Psalm 50, a Psalm of Repentance. Let's talk about this for a moment from the perspective of, uh, is there sin in the voting booth? You know, a lot of clergy, a lot of religious leaders, oh, no, 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 we can't talk that way. And some voters may be offended by that. Oh, what do you mean? You know, I don't I have the right to vote the way that I want to vote. Well, of course we do. All of us do. It's not that the point here is not to deny people the freedom to, to vote the way that they that they want to vote. The question is twofold. Number one, is there any arena of human activity that is immune from sin? And number two, is Jesus Lord of all of our life or just most of our life? Let's take both of these questions. But point number one, is there any activity of, of human uh, choice that, that is immune from sin? Well, there can't be because the very de- by, by its very definition, sin on the one hand and virtue on the other are human choices and patterns of choices. When we get into a pattern of good choices, that's virtue. We'll get into a habit of good choices. When we make wrong choices, that's sin, and we can get into habits of sin as well, where we make the same wrong choices over and over again. But it all boils down to a human decision. Well, isn't voting a human decision? I mean, it's the way that we choose to vote. Now, if we think that's somehow beyond the realm of sin or virtue, how can that possibly make sense? It's not that there's a law of God that says what party you you vote for, but there's a law of God that says love your neighbor as yourself. We want to do good for the neighbor, right? Well, who you vote for, who you put into a position where they're going to make judgments in court cases or they're going to write laws that, by the way, your neighbor now has to follow If those policies are harmful, 
then by electing those people, you're hurting your neighbor. But if those policies are helpful, then by electing the people that are going to enact the helpful policies, you're helping your neighbor. Of course, there's a moral component here. What kind of leaders are we going to have? So human choice, wherever there's human choice, there's either sin or virtue. So for people to say, oh, you can't talk about sinful voting, you can. Again, that's not to judge the soul of any particular voter. We're not doing that. It's to say, Lord, there's responsibility here. These things don't, calves don't just come out of a, of a furnace. It doesn't come out a calf. The election results don't just come out by themselves. People choose to do certain things a certain way because they think a certain thing. Ah, oh, this is going to produce this outcome. Oh, that's the outcome I want. Well, if you can foresee the consequences of your choices and you see that those consequences are going to be good and therefore you make the choice to bring about good, that's virtue. You see the consequences of your choices are going to be bad harmful for your neighbor, harmful for the nation, harmful for religious freedom, harmful for the protection of life. Well, then then you made a wrong choice. The second question, is Jesus Lord of all of our life or just part of it or most of it? You know, again, some people seem to think there's no such thing as morality when it comes to voting. Oh, well, I could do whatever I want. But yeah, but it has consequences. Is Jesus Lord of all your choices, of all your arenas of activity, or are there some that are perhaps exempt and you can do what you want and there's no question whatsoever of accountability to God? Well, we as followers of Christ believe that he's Lord of our lives 100%. 100%. There's no such thing as a choice that is not under his dominion, under his lordship. And we know that not everybody believes that. But if we believe it, we need to believe it consistently. We need to follow the the logic of our beliefs. All of our choices are under the lordship of Jesus Christ, including the choices we make in the political arena. Otherwise, he's not king of kings and lord of lords and lord of every nation or judge of the nations. Otherwise, our founding fathers had it wrong. You know, they appealed in the Declaration of Independence to the supreme judge of the world for the rightness of their intentions. They looked to him and they said, Lord, here we are forming a nation, creating a system of government. Lord, this is under your dominion. They acknowledged that. John Adams, for example, our second president, wrote about how the law of God is higher than human law. Here he was helping to craft a government that's going to make laws, and he's saying, well, any laws we might make They have to correspond to the law of God. Of course there is sin in the arena of politics, of lawmaking, and of voting. Let's pray. Because again, some people, you know, they've they've done what they've done, not really realizing the consequences. People have been deceived into thinking somehow the... Some of these Democrat policies are good for America, good for our children, good for the future. They're not. They're not. They're destructive. Some people have not realized that. They will. 
the best day the Democrats are ever going to have has just passed. It's not going to get better for them. It's going to get worse. Because you see, they're not repenting of their policies, and therefore what's going to happen? Those policies are continue, going to continue to bear bad fruit. There's going to continue to be a stench rising from every portion of America. And people are going to say, how come things are getting so bad? How come things are getting so bad? Doesn't have anything to do with those who are controlling the levers of power and government, does it? Actually have a consequence to it? No, it's going to get worse. And because it's going to get worse, they're going to get blamed for it. This is what happened in uh, in New York City with Rudy Giuliani. I grew up in uh, just 20 minutes outside of New York City. And the crime was really bad. But the first time Rudy Giuliani ran for mayor, he lost. Hadn't gotten bad enough. Dan Bongino was talking about this on his program recently. Hadn't gotten bad enough. And, you know, after a few thousand more murders, next election he ran again and he won. And then he got reelected by a gigantic margin. It hadn't gotten bad enough. So we pray for forgiveness for the sins of voters who helped to lead us in an even more destructive situation for our country, for our children, for our neighbors, whom we're supposed to love, we're supposed to help protect, but oh no, the choices that were made by many are doing exactly the opposite, devastating them, destroying them, destroying the economy, destroying our security, destroying our standing on the world stage. We've become an embarrassment among the nations. This is terrible. We've put a roadblock up in a lot of ways, but we've got to pray for forgiveness. So let's go to Psalm 50, Psalm uh, 51, rather. It's a psalm of repentance. And let's pray it together. Oh, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, have I sinned. What is evil in your sight, I have done. So that you may be justified when you give sentence. Be without reproach when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. In sin my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in my inmost being. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Oh, wash me, I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear rejoicing and gladness that the bones you have crushed may revive. Do not hide your face. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, nor deprive me of your Holy Spirit. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation. Give me a willing spirit to sustain me, that I may teach transgressors your ways, and sinners may turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will proclaim your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. 
You take no pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a contrite spirit, a broken, contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. The bulls will be offered on your altar. Let us pray. Father, we come to you, repentant of our own sins, for none of us is without sin. But we come to you, Lord, today asking mercy for the nation. Lord, we have been betrayed by many of our fellow citizens who had it within their hands to make the future better for us, for our families, for our children, for our neighbors, for our grandchildren, for our businesses, for our churches. They had it in their hands to make this nation better. We had it in our hands too, Lord, and we did the right thing. But we have many, many fellow citizens who, Lord, tonight we acknowledge have both offended you and they've harmed us. Lord, they have harmed us by voting for those who continue to enact destructive policies. Many of our fellow citizens have done tremendous harm to us, to our future, to our families, to our neighborhoods, to our nation, to our constitution, to our values, to our unborn brothers and sisters. They've done harm. And we ask tonight that the spirit of repentance be poured out upon them. Lord, help them to see the error of their ways. We pray as directly and simply as that. Help our fellow citizens who have voted for these destructive policies to see the error of their ways and to repent and to begin making up in some way for the harm that is done, to begin doing good and speaking truth and supporting righteous candidates instead of evildoers, supporting those that, that love our country and want to serve our country instead of supporting those who want to destroy it. God, this is not difficult. We come before you with the spirit of repentance that the psalmist here declares a contrite, broken heart. Lord, give a broken heart to our nation. Give a broken heart to our leaders who are, who are, who are destroying the nation. May their hearts break. May their eyes fill up with tears for the damage they have done. May they begin repairing it. And may the voters begin repairing it. Lord, we, we wanted there to be a strong rebuke, Lord God, at the voting booth against those who are doing wickedness. There was a rebuke for many of them. There were many signs of strength of our movement. But Lord, that rebuke was not loud and clear was not as pervasive as it needs to be. And Lord God, we've got to double down tonight. 
We've got to dig in our heels. We've got to raise our spirits. We've got to increase our determination. We have got to be on fire in our souls. We've got to let the spirit that comes from you ignite us tonight. Once again, ignite us and unite us and enlighten us and strengthen us to go forward with zeal like we've never seen before. Because we are Americans, and as we fight for this nation, united in your spirit, Lord, nothing can turn us around. But we need to start with repentance. We ourselves have done the right thing when it comes to this election. We know that we're sinners in many other ways. But we know we've done the right thing in in regard to this election, Lord. But we pray mercy upon our brothers and sisters that have done the wrong thing. Lord, we pray now in the spirit of the book of the prophet Jonah. As we read these words, we pray that this is what will happen now in America under this wicked leadership that we have. The word of the Lord in chapter 3 of Jonah we read, came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed, Forty days more and Nineveh will be destroyed. The Ninevites, the Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast. And all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. Then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did, and how they turned from their evil ways. He had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. Praise God for what happened there. That's the spirit of repentance that every nation needs in order to survive. Now, you notice what Biden said after the election. A reporter, and and God bless that reporter for asking this question, said, well, you know, in light of all the people who still think the country's going in the wrong direction, uh, what will you do differently in these next two years? What, What will you do differently? What will change in the way you're governing and in the policies you're setting forward? You heard what he said? Nothing. He said the word nothing. Because people don't realize how good our policies are yet. You see how that's the opposite of repentance? 
Repentance starts with a changing of the mind. What I thought was good, I'm realizing isn't good. He hasn't realized anything. The Democrats are unrepentant. They haven't realized how destructive their policies are. Oh, 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 but but don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We know that a lot of them know full well, okay, and because they want to destroy the nation. We know that. The point is, they're not repenting. They're not seeing that the things they know are destructive are things they need to turn away from because they're destroying themselves. See, that's what the sinner doesn't care to recognize is they think they can destroy somebody else or something else and then benefit themselves. They're not benefiting themselves. They're destroying themselves too. And then they don't change. It's like what Scripture says about the fool. You can give him a million warnings. It doesn't change. Biden, what are you going to do different now? Nothing. It's the opposite of repentance. One of the ways that we um, need to repent, one of the things we need to be doing, is to make sure that Herschel Walker becomes the next senator from Georgia. Warnock, I've met the man a number of times. I've heard him preach in his church because clarify why I was there, not because of him, but because of Alveda King and the King family, Alveda being a member of our pastoral team for 16 years here at Priest for Life. We were together at Ebenezer Baptist for the annual Martin Luther King Jr. commemorative service. Warnock was pastor. What a political left-wing lunatic unworthy to be a senator. He has got to uh, leave that office immediately. Tonight actually would be a good a good time to do that. Just, just leave. He doesn't belong there. Talk about destructive policies. He embraces them all. Misrepresents the gospel of Jesus Christ in an offensive way. Thinking that somehow it's okay with God that we kill babies. Out. Get out. Don't belong in the Senate. Don't belong in the pulpit either. What a disgrace. We've got to work on this Georgia runoff election, brothers and sisters, with the same fervor that we've worked for the other races. Contact us. You want to get involved in activities in Georgia where no matter what state you live in, you want to help make some phone calls to target the persuadable voters in Georgia. Let us know. We've got a website, prolifevolunteer.com, prolifevolunteer.com. And we'll help you to help Georgia get out the vote. It's critically important. Now, people might say, well, the Democrats already have functional control of the Senate because they've got 50 seats. Yeah, but 51 is worse than 50. Because with 50, you know, there's a power sharing agreement that has to be worked out between the, 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 the Democrat and Republican leadership. And there's a little bit more equity, a little bit more. We still know tie-breaking Vote belongs to the Democrat vice president. But but still, within the day-to-day functioning of the committees in the Senate and what happens on the floor, the power-sharing agreement that has to be hammered out gives us an advantage over what would happen if they had a 51-seat majority if Warnock were to get back in. That would not be good. So... Let's work hard on Georgia. Again, prolifevolunteer.com. You can sign up and 
see what you can do to help out. And that'll be much, much appreciated. It's a, it's a way of repentance, right? We try to make up for some of the damage that's been done by some of the sins that have been committed in the voting booth. Let's sum up our prayers for the nation and for one another by offering the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So friends, Father Frank Pavone here, Priests for Life. Connect with me on social media at FR Frank Pavone. You've been seeing the address there at the bottom. And uh, let others know about this program. We'll have a lot more to say in the coming days. And remember what President Trump always tells us. We are part of the greatest political movement in American history. And this country does not belong to those that want to destroy it. It belongs to you. So have confidence. The greatest days of America are yet to come. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.